Happy Friday, everybody. Today's show is the best. If you're not already, please make sure that you're following us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, all of the past week or so, about 10 days, we've been actually hosting a favorite bouncer competition on our Facebook. And every day on Instagram, we're posting new videos of people doing some wild stuff. So today's show is super unique. I got a two-time world champion on, but before that, Today's show is brought to you by Supergrip ATV. The Supergrip ATV tires are the most dependable tires in the ATV and UTV uh, industry. Sorry, can't read. Uh, <laughs> the all-new K9 tire. Uh, the Supergrip K9 tires are rugged, all-terrain ATV, UTV tire designed to get you through the most extreme terrains. If you're looking for the ultimate control on or off-road, you need to look no further. Now let me tell you something about these tires because I've been running these tires for a period of time. Um, I actually went out and ran with uh, David Uptain and Ricky B from RCV uh, Axles and let me tell you guys, um, I was super pleased with them. I know David Uptain was running a set of System 337s and they were like the worst. Uh, he s couldn't seem to get traction on much of anything all day. Uh, Ricky B was running a new set of stickies that he has, and they seemed to hook up really well. But one thing that I was able to do was run a super low tire pressure on some crazy um, gritty rock, some crazy slick rock, and I had pretty much no problems all day long. Uh, one thing that I highly recommend that if you have the ability to get it, if you can splurge just a little bit more, the K9 Kevlar. Kevlar is a synthetic fiber that is about five times stronger than steel. Kevlar is used in tires in one of two ways. As a replacement for the steel coils that form the tire's edge, known as the beads, or as a subtread, which is a protective layer that rests between the external rubber and the internal fabric casing that forms the tire structure. Now that's what's really cool is, is not only is it in the structure of the tire, but it's also in the beads as well. So it truly is a bead to bead Kevlar system. When the casing or sidewalls include Kevlar, there's some added weight, but at a somewhat more rigid ride, which is why I can run my Kevlar's a little bit lower pressure than the uh, nylon belt tire, uh, which is just their standard version of the tire. But often these tires can go a year or more without a flat because of the Kevlar's ability to deflect glass and other sharp objects and defend the tube against punctures. Let me tell you, it can go way longer than a year, so uh, there's that. Uh, our show is also brought to you by DinoJet Research Incorporated. Uh, the Power Vision Tuner is the premier tuning device and delivery device for most aftermarket tunes. Uh, the in-house, I'm sorry, the powerhouse fuel tuner made to optimize your power for more speed, more, uh, excuse me, more speed on the racetrack, better fuel efficiency on your commute, or anything in between. The Power Vision is able to hold multiple tunes at one time, so roadside changes are a snap. And it can also monitor and track the progress of your vehicle to really get your engine roaring. With a wide range of tunes already loaded onto your Power Vision 3, this is an easy to use device that can start optimizing your vehicle right out of the box. It can track and monitor your progress to guide you on how to make perfectly optimized tunes, which you can do yourself, for your ride or driving style. 
If you're looking for something even easier, you can purchase one of the one, excuse me, one of thousands of tested tunes from the online library, perfect for stock or heavily modified vehicles. The PowerVision 3 tuner can hold multiple tunes at once, track and monitor progress used with the Dynajet's PowerCore software suite and available for hundreds of vehicles. That's Dynajet.com and Dynajet Research Inc. on all social media. Uh, another one of our sponsors is All Things UTV. All Things UTV pretty much has it figured out when it comes to what you need for your UTV. Uh, all those fundamental parts, all those uh, you know have to have parts. All Things UTV has got you covered. Um, all Things UTV really does an excellent job because uh, what they carry and what they have in stock is, is always going to be the parts that are going to be breaking the most. They're going to always have tires in stock. They're going to always have axles in stock. Uh, even built differentials, uh, everything from you know stock replacements to upgraded differentials to even a full RS1 swap. All Things UTV has been super great to the show, uh, so I really encourage, if you can, uh, please return that support for the show back to them uh, because they're really great guys to deal with. One product I run of theirs, which I'll never run without, is the Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. Those Inner Fender Liners uh, really keep you safe when you're going to speed. I know before I got my set on my um, before I got my set on my car, um, I really wouldn't ever like kind of unload it if that makes sense. Uh, I would never take it as fast as it could go because um, I really felt like I was going to get a stick through the the floorboard or the firewall, and I was going to end up you know impaled. So. Peace of mind is more important than anything, and also peace of mind for my passengers. Don't have to worry about my wife getting uh, any kind of damage or anything like that. So, allthingsutv.com, allthingsutv on Facebook and Instagram. Another sponsor, and one that I might be the most excited about right now, is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. They're, they ever a, offer a slew of suspension services, uh, including shock tuning that is available with on-site sessions, uh, shock revalving, where you basically just send your shocks in, valve to your application and specifications, repair and the full rebuild of the shocks. Um, I sent Chris over at Diddy's Big Block a set of shocks here recently. Uh, basically, they were your typical shocks. They'd been rode on for you know thousands of miles, more than that, uh, and just had the normal wear and tear. So I sent those over to him so he could get a really good understanding of some of the damage that just happens on these Walker Evans and on these Fox shocks just over time. Um, let me tell you this: those shocks were trashed. There was oil in the nitrogen sections. There was oil in sections where there should have been nothing. Um, the actual f shock body themselves was in really rough shape. So uh, he's getting me fixed up with not only new valving but new springs as well. I just ship them to him, tell him what I want. He ships me back shocks that work. Uh, one thing that they also offer is buggy builds. They have roller packages, two or four seat primarily. They use a committed racing chassis as a starting point, and they'll even offer uh, turnkey builds for chassis. He'll also spe in, in specializes in wiring and plumbing. If you're 95% of the way there, uh, he can take you to either you know complete start to finish on wiring and plumbing, or he can just finish off the stuff that you don't want to. He is also the number one source for Mark Williams off-road parts. Uh, they've worked with Mark Williams to help expand the off-road world, including uh, a bunch of materials and a bunch of parts for 14 bolts. 
uh, including spools, yokes, uh, Atlas transfer cases, Dana 60s, Ford 9 inches, full float axle shafts, lightweight brake kits, um, everything that you can think of uh, for your full-size solid axle rig. Uh, Chris at Diddy's Big Block should be able to get you figured out. Um, I'll tell you this, guys, just with communication and things like that, it's hard to get guys to communicate with you sometimes. Chris does an excellent job of communication, and every single time that I use him to do any work, I know that uh, what he tells me is very accurate, and I can always count on him to be uh, very concise with me, and, and I can always expect the job to be done not only on time but correctly as well. So Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Instagram and Facebook. Give those guys a follow, check out, see what they're doing. Get your shocks serviced. Last but not least, Infinite Off-Road has a 25-year, you-break-it-they-replace-it warranty on all Infinite Off-Road products. Uh, one thing I will tell you is that they offer all listeners of the show a 10% off the entire website with code word ROCKS at checkout. R-O-C-K-S at checkout. That goes for rock lights, whips, wheel rings, light bars, light pods, wiring and power controllers, uh, UTV parts, Jeep and truck parts, and everything in between. One thing that's really cool is uh, they have a new series. Uh, let me see if I can get it pulled up here so I can get the name exactly right. They have a new series of lights that just came out, uh, including Razor Fang accent lights. Uh, as always, uh, they have rock lights, but they also have custom HD strip kits, which where you can build your own. Uh, that's really great for boats and things like that. Uh, double helix whips, accessory power control modules. If you're looking for uh, you know, centralizing all of the buttons and switches in your car. It's an excellent option. Uh, and even uh, power base, uh, XL800, XL1000, and XL1200 soundbars. Everything you need, lighting, audio, mirrors, whatever it may be, Infinite Off-Road is your choice. Okay, guys, uh, paid the bills. Um, let's talk about my guest today. Uh, my guest today is uh, a badass. He is a multiple-time UTV world champion. Uh, he is the founder of No Limits R&D, and he's been racing side-by-sides since their inception. He now races for the factory team of Can-Am. Uh, he has two consecutive best-in-the-desert championships. Uh, he's a super relaxed guy, has a badass car, uh, took third this year in King of Hammers. Um, really enjoy talking to him. We talk a lot about uh, a bunch of different things. It goes all over the place. So without further ado, uh, one of my role models and idols in the sport, Phil Blurton, ladies and gentlemen. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Longest to take it. There it is. Boom. We're live. Nice. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. How about you? Man, I am great. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier that uh, I have been pushed back into my garage studio. When I finally had made it back out, I am back to the garage. So uh, I'm doing good, but it's about 95 degrees in here, and I don't want to open the door so I don't catch any of the road noise. And uh, I'm just like interviewing in a sauna. So I feel great. I'm going to be even better after this. I'm going to have all this energy. <laughs> but uh, it looks beautiful where you are. Where have you been up to? Where are you at? 
We're in Northern California, so we're Loomis, right in between uh, Sacramento and Lake Tahoe, right in the foothills. That's amazing. It's probably still about 90 degrees outside, but in the office right here, it's nice right now. So That's nice. Uh, are you guys on lockdown? Are you guys experiencing like really heavy, strict lockdowns like they are in L.A.? Um, like our immediate area right here is not too bad because we're in a smaller community. If you go to like Sacramento and everything, it's full lockdown down there. Um, restaurants there opened up for a little bit, and now it seems like they're back closed. Um, we got a couple good little spots by the shop right here that uh, don't really want to follow the rules, so it's nice. <laughs> we can still go have lunch there and not worry yeah. about it and live, try to live a normal life. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's just jump into it. How, how have things been? I mean, this has been one of the weirdest times in, you know, recent human history. How have you guys been holding up? How is your family? How are you? Um, everybody on our side's good and healthy. In the very beginning, we were all kind of tripped out the first week, you know, and see everything on the news. And Bo and my co-driver and I weren't getting together as much. And now we're kind of just all went back to normal life. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, being a fabricator and owning the race shop here and doing all this, uh, I'm not out gallivanting too much. I'm pretty much either home sleeping or in the shop working on something. Yeah. So uh, life for us hasn't changed too much, except the shop here, no limit. I mean, it's, uh, if anything, I'd say it's probably increased us a good 25% on business since all this. That's crazy. Uh, that is, that's just nuts. Cause every, I had a, I actually had another vendor on a couple of weeks ago and they said that they, they're hitting, I think 175% projection on all their sales. They like are just going way over what they normally are be normally would be doing. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it is? Are people just bored at home? Um, I mean, our immediate area here, I, we've seen a ton of wrecked cars. I think people aren't going and doing other stuff. So they're all going out on the weekends and you got so many people out there. They're just, they're using their equipment more and needing, needing replacement parts for it. Um, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people and I think the theory kind of is, is if you're not, you know, you're not going to go to Hawaii or go to Europe on vacation. So people are spending money on off-road right now because they can go out in the desert and feel, you know, safe with their family out there and still get to go enjoy some, some normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned you're in Northern California. What is the terrain like you around? Because I know, you know, you have the desert in Southern California and a bunch of different terrains there, but yeah. you guys have quite a bit of vegetation on the Northern side, right? Yeah. We're really like, if you love single track on a dirt bike, which we do mm -hmm. all the time, it's awesome riding here. Um, a lot of like mountain fire road type roads. Mm -hmm. So for us, like anytime we go test in the desert car, we always go to Reno. Reno's like an hour and a half from the shop. Wow. Then we got like the whole, you know, backside of Vegas to Reno course that we'll go to test on. Um, immediately though, I mean, you got Rubicon and Ford Ice that are both within an hour and a half from us. So rock crawling's awesome. Just not, not desert within two hours, hour and a half, two hours from here. Yeah. So let me ask you, because I actually, I saw a video of you recently on the Rubicon uh, I, I had Phil uh, Licky already on recently, and he kind of talked about how the the Rubicon has um, just kind of gotten, I don't know the right word for it, but more popularized and kind of like reduced down into what it used to be. Um, what's it like now? Is it still something? So I'm in Nashville. Is it yeah. still something like you would say, hey, man, you need to ride this trail at least once? Yeah, if you haven't done it, you got to go do it. I think for like... Uh for us, you know, I'm 33 now. I was going there when I was 18, like every wow. single weekend and, a, and yeah. like, a, you know, a beat up Toyota rock crawler. That's really what started my whole four wheel thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's changed in, you know, they've, they've exploded some sections to get people through there easier because I think they thought it was eroding the trail by having the section so technical. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, My opinion on it is they just let way more people on the trail that probably shouldn't necessarily be in there. I shouldn't say they shouldn't be in there, but their vehicle's not prepared to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rubicon's awesome. We went, yeah, we went a couple weeks ago on like a random Wednesday or Tuesday. We're like, Hey, let's go run Rubicon. I'd never done it in a side-by-side before. Mm-hmm. Um, super fun trail though. Scenery's awesome. I prefer Fordyce. It's a little bit more of a hidden trail. It's more uh-huh. technical and you're like along a river the whole entire time. So there's a bunch of awesome camp spots, mm-hmm. um, but Rubicon okay. side-by-side's super fun. So let me ask you, I got two questions there. Uh, you hit soup bowl in your side-by-side, right? Yep. Okay, so I'm used to seeing, I come from Jeeps before I was in UTVs. Uh, I used to see Jeeps on, you know, 40 inch tall tires having a real tough time coming through there. And, you know, even some like uh, tube chassis buggies having issues in there. But I mean, side by side to this weird point where they can literally do it all on a fractional tire size. What's it like? You know, you mentioned going there in your in your old Toyota and now you're side by side, what's it like having a piece, like having a rig that's just so much more advanced than the technology? Um, the the side by side's way smoother through the whole trail. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> granted, granted, the tire size is smaller, but the whole vehicle's smaller. So it's like a mm-hmm. whole different line choice that you're taking through there. Um, the nice thing about the side by side is the whole bottom is a giant skid plate. So like where I was in rock crawler before, you're always worried about a drive shaft. So really the side by side, you can pretty much, we run the factory UTV skid plates on all of them. You can mm-hmm. pretty much, if you can drive on the belly pan and not get high centered, you're going to make it through there. Yeah. Like Soup bowl. I was used to like a line in my buggy that was like completely different. So probably before that video you saw, I tried the other line like two times and it was just uh, too short of a wheelbase to make it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's but, what I thought. I mean, I was sitting there watching it, and I know that the, the it seems again never have been there in person. It seems that it's really like a like a real like kind of slow turn as you're going up, and it's just it's just it, it I, to me when I see a side by side going up it, I'm like, no, you're not like you can't do that. How what is that? Yeah, there was like four or five guys that were with us that go to Rubicon all the time. Like, there's no way you're gonna make it up this thing. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go until I either make it or land on my <laughs> Um but wheel speed, you know, like yeah. I used to rock crawl had, you know, 22 REs, 90 horsepower and a heavy vehicle. And now it's like, you know, we're 1700 pounds with over 200 horsepower. So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Now, my other question for Fordyce was Fordyce's water crossings. Are, yeah. are those bypassable at all? Or, I mean, are you no. going to have to get in the, you're, you, so let me ask you this side by side at Fordyce, you know, you're saying this is your favorite trail. Are you not underwater? <laughs> uh, you're getting wet. Yeah. You're for yeah. Sure. Uh, the first time I went there in the side by side, I stuffed all my sweatshirts behind the seat. And when it got oh. cold, I pulled them out and they were soaked. You got to definitely watch the river flow. There's a website you can go on. You can see what PG&E, the electrical mm-hmm. company, is letting through the river right then. Um, you're definitely not going on a high flow weekend through there because the, the river crossings are getting so dug out that, I mean, you're sometimes in like a Jeep, you're over a 40 inch tire, you know? Yeah. And that's so again, that's the that's the videos that I've seen is 37, 40s and a guy, I think a guy on 35s. And he was like really in a tight spot. And yeah. uh, when I had my I had a uh, you. Uh, uh, rock bouncer UTV, like a little razor bouncer. And uh, we went out to Winrock and it's, it's what I assume Fordyce is like just on a much smaller scale. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking, yeah, I'll be fine going through this water. And you kind of feel the skid plate like boated out first. And then the front end just went, Ooh. And I was, I just remember seeing water. And I just like, 
I can never do this. My entire car just got like I've lost it. The car's gone. And uh, I just I would be so scared to go in like four dice level water. Yeah. Uh, sorry, my phone started taking off on no, me. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, yeah, it's def definitely something to watch there. A lot, you know, a lot of the videos you see are maybe people that haven't been there before and they just mm -hmm. bomb straight across the river when really if you just dip down a little bit. And obviously, if you follow the uh, the ripples in the water, it's a little bit shallower. Mm -hmm. I think uh, knowing where to cross, uh, you got, what do you have, four water crossings there and I would say two of them are, are pretty deep. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. That to, I didn't see someone who doesn't ever think about it or do water crossings or anything. I wouldn't even have put any thought into like watch where the ripples are because that means it's obviously a little bit more shallow. Yeah, interesting. See, see, I'm learning, learning already. <laughs> this is already good. Now you got to come through four dice with us, man. I'll tell you what. If I ever make it out there, uh, I doubt I'll come back with a razor because I'm gonna run it through everything I possibly can while I'm on that side of the country. And wherever the last park is, if I leave it there, I leave it there. And I bet I had some fun. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, you are, I had, I briefly mentioned this to you uh, before we started recording. Um, I don't get starstruck very often. And uh, you're a champion. Like you are a multiple time champion and not only a champion, but you're a, a UTV world champion. So like, the the uh, the starstruck kind of hit me when it, when we finally got everything lined up. Um, UTV World Championships. Can you tell me a little bit more about the event? Kind of how the feel of it goes. You know how you guys did uh, in, in your races that were there. Because uh, I'm East Coast, and yeah. you know best in the desert, uh, the Mint 400, all those all those desert races. To someone like me on the East Coast who you know doesn't know anything about that, I just think of you know okay those videos that Polaris and Can-Am puts out where there's like random shrubs and they're just like going through whoops in the desert, but yeah. I know that there's more to it than that. So can you tell yeah. me a little bit about those races? Yeah, I can kind of give you, I guess, a little background. I mean, YouTube yeah. World Championships is what, uh, I guess what really put us on the map. And uh, I, I guess I'll get into that whole thing. We raced a local series around here, a Vora series, which is like a small desert series. Mm -hmm. um, Bo, my co-driver and I, Bo actually built, uh, built a side-by-side he worked at a powder coat shop we were using and uh, I had no interest in side by sides. I went down there. I saw his, I was like, man, this thing looks fun. At, at the yeah. time I was building ultra four cars mm -hmm. and I was just to build myself an ultra four car. I was priced out of it. So when I saw his, I'm like, Oh, maybe I should get into racing the side by sides. Um, anyways, asked him if he wanted to co-drive with me. We raced the Vora series. We won overall in UTV. Uh, Vora doesn't overall between all classes. We ended up beating, everybody so we took the wow. entire overall so then i said well let's go let's go try best in the desert it seems like the most competitive series to go race in yeah um i did one of the the stadium super truck races in a side-by-side -side at the uh at the orange county fairgrounds down there for That's the cool. show. and i actually uh, compression fractured my back in that race <laughs> oh my gosh man <laughs> so, so right at right at that time is when the can-am was coming out i'm like well you know i'm not racing so let's build the Can-Am on a whim. And I thought I would just do it to bring more attention to the shop. Um, uh -huh. And that, that's what got me in the Can-Am originally. We went and raced the Parker race, you know, hoping for a top 10 maybe. Mm -hmm. Ended up, I think, fifth at our very first best in the desert race. Dude, that's uh, crazy. Met one of the engineers from Can-Am at that race. Just, you know, a guy came up with his, with his French accent. I didn't even know who he was and uh, kind of started that relationship there. 
went on to YouTuber World Championships, um, started dead last on the last row. The, the car, when you do the dead engine starts, you go to start the car and you can't even hear it. So you need to like watch the RPM gauge and see when it fires up. Yeah. I thought the car started, had my foot to the floor. It didn't go. Oh, couldn't, restart, couldn't restart the car with my foot to the floor. So I had to let off. Next thing you know, the whole row's gone. So, I mean, that first YouTuber World Championships, we you couldn't have started any more last than we did. <laughs> uh, at the time, my pit crew wasn't really into, you know, we were all new to it. So we didn't mm -hmm. know about tracking and time split and corrected time and everything. And uh, somebody came over to my dad like two laps from the finish and said, hey, I think they might be leading this thing, you know? We had no clue what place we were in. Yeah. We ended up crossing the finish line, uh, I guess physically second. We'd made our way through the whole pack. Uh, Justin Lambert crossed first. How did they, you cover so much ground? I don't know. I mean, the YouTube World Championships on that 17 mile loop, it's just, there's so many cars everywhere the whole time. You don't know yeah. if you're passing a lapper or somebody you're racing wow. against or what. Um, they held us at the finish line there and said, hey, you guys might have won this thing. And we ended up winning by, I think, like 16 seconds. Man. And so that was like, uh, you know, another person from Can-Am was there. They came over. Uh, that, that really like jump started my whole my whole racing career, I guess. You know, it wasn't, wasn't something that we were definitely anticipating in our second ever Best in the Desert race. Yeah, that's pretty. It seems like there's a select group of guys and it, I'll be honest with you, I've interviewed a, a couple of the other Canyon Factor drivers, and it seems like this common trend between all of you guys where you guys just have this. I don't know if it's, I don't, I'm, I guess this is the question is what are you guys doing? Because you, Hunter Miller, Dustin Jones, all you guys, you know, you kind of like dip the toes and like, you know, go, go kind of that pro am level. And then all of a sudden, there's just this rocket ship launch to, you know, the top essentially yeah uh, what are you doing that's making you so successful is it preparation or what i mean is it just driver co-driver what is it i mean i think it's a combination of the whole strategy i think uh i, I got an awesome co-driver bo my co-driver actually does all the prep on the race car um, so wow. it's nice to have somebody in the car that's the one that's putting the car together between every race yeah I, i'll do all the fab work on it and he'll do all the mechanical work on it um yeah. It's hard, you know, people say, what, what, why are you winning? And I don't really know why, you know, but we're, <laughs> yeah. we definitely put a ton of effort into it. Mm -hmm. we, don't, uh, we don't just throw money and parts at it and go show up to a race with a part that's untested just because it was more expensive than the next part, you know. Mm -hmm. um, anything that we do, we're going to put double the race miles on it before the race. And then if it works, we're going to put fresh ones in and race with it. Um, I think we just have a great team of people that is like really wrapping their head around the whole thing. And I have, you know, comes down to a strategy. You, you only need to beat somebody by one second, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I, it's so funny, you know, people always want to ask, how are you winning? And like, it's funny. I ask that question, but uh, it, it really comes down to a, a mindset thing. And you know how your gut just tells you when you, when you, are talking to someone and when you see somebody you're like okay that's like that's it that's the thing it yeah. seems like all you guys have the thing that just makes the makes the winner so uh hats off to you guys and and that's awesome uh that's crazy though that your team you know for the for the uh utv world championships goes in you guys don't know what like 
and really how to track the race. And then the next thing you know, you guys are like, hey, they're in contention. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. What, did they relay that back to you while you were still on the race course? Yeah, with two laps to go out of what, oh whatever it was, 10 laps there. And, you know, the funny part was at the time we were more stressed because we'd only raced Parker in the Can-Am. We didn't really have any seat time in it. Yeah. We, were, we weren't even sure if we should stop for fuel or not for fuel. I mean, now we have enough data. We know exactly what we're getting at all the different tracks. Yeah. But that time we were just going, we just don't, we just don't want to run out of fuel. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. You're, you know, cruising your race. You're locked in at your race pace. You get the, the, you know, the, the information over the radio it says, hey, you guys might be in the lead. You have two laps left. What is the thought going through your head? Um, we honestly, we didn't turn it up at all. We just stayed exactly at what our pace was. Um, I feel like that's like the w one benefit that we've been having throughout the whole season or the last couple seasons is we've figured out like how long our parts are going to last. So if mm -hmm. it's a 200 mile race, I'm going to come with my car pretty whooped at the end of 200 miles, you know, yeah. if it's a 500 mile race, I'm going to come in with it. You know, I'm going to be able to, I know the difference that I can push the car to make it the distance. That's pretty, that's a, you know, that's unique because I've never heard someone explain it that way. Um, a lot of times times you know a lot of times let me ask you, let me let me step back here what parts do you guys make for the car um i mean we obviously do the chassis of the car but we keep a lot of the stock chassis we do all of our own front a arms we do our own front uh bulkhead we machine all of our own bushings spindle pins uh radius rods we actually use factory trailing arms that are just one of our well-done gusset kits wow cool um, i mean pretty much anything that's fabbed on the car besides a fuel cell and stuff we're building here Okay, so that's why I ask because a lot of guys who make their own parts pretty much for the entire car, they seem to, you know, kind of either have the mentality of like they'll last forever or, you know, they're built to withstand, you know, what the frame can withstand. It's kind of that, that there's always this breaking point. But I like how you like measure, like you have a unit of measure that says I need the car to last this long and I'll take it up to the, up to the line for yeah. this the race I, I don't think i've ever heard anybody explain it like that and i think that that's uh that's a really good way to say it because obviously for a 200 mile race you could drive it way different than a 500 mile yeah and we've got you know there's uh we have three replicas of my car out there racing and i mm -hmm. work with the customers all the time so we all share data with each other so really instead of like you know one car team we i have you know three cars that we're getting information and oh this happened to this one that happened to this one and uh it, it really benefits all of us you know yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. Your iterations of the car that keep going, you know, you guys make the chassis. And I actually was first exposed to you this year at King of Hammers. Um, uh -huh. I really kept a closer eye on the UTV stuff this year. Um, obviously, had great success at King of Hammers. Uh, obviously, an awesome event for Can-Am, all that kind of cool stuff. Um, the chassis you guys have, it looks different because it looks higher. Like I know that it's just a, it's just a suspension setting. It's just preload. It's just all these things. Yeah, it looks like you have kind of figured out how to have the most high performance and highly efficient chassis. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the design and what you've done to make it feel that way? Because just looking at it, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, our King of the Hammers car is way way different than say my Best in the Desert car. Um, right. We spend a ton of time down at Hammers pre-running and playing in the rocks and learning all the trails we were hanging up on the rockers. So we decided to boat side that car. So we took a stock chassis. I started drawing it all up in SolidWorks, was gonna get all wild and ended up just coming in on the weekend with a cutoff wheel and 
cutting the whole side of the car off and just going back old school and freestyle on the chassis. Yeah. Um, so like seating position, everything in that car is the same. I've lowered the dash about six inches in the car for visibility. The sides are cut. There's 10 inches cut off at each side of the car and brought up 10 inches. So we've, you know, it's got, it's got a stock tank in there. It's got, it's really got a lot of stock stuff. We just cut a ton off the side of the car and made it go through the rocks. The, the weird part about hammers was we built this car. We had a pre-runner we were using. We built this car. I drove it for about two minutes before qualifying and then qualified in it, prepped it for the race and raced it. So we had no seat time going into the race oh in, in a boat sided car. Cause we didn't want to beat up the only, only car that we had that was boat sided. <laughs> Dude, uh, first off, you're a madman for doing that. That's crazy. <laughs> Second, uh, why, it seems like a couple of, a couple guys that are racing right now, um, they're boat siding the cars, uh, yeah. especially the King of Hammers guys. Why, or maybe is Can-Am looking at this as a, as a positive, you know, a thing that they could implement into other vehicles? Does it cut into leg room significantly or something? I don't know why Can-Am wouldn't kind of institute a, maybe like the rock edition uh, having yeah. both sides. Um, nothing that they've informed me of that they would plan on doing sure. that. You know, we kind of, it was uh, Hunter, Cody, and myself, and Bo down there pre-running. Uh, we actually, we left one of the works races and all went out there together just to kind of actually do like a little bit of teamwork down there. Yeah. We all decided to boat side our cars. So they had S3 build those cars for them. We were all kind of sharing pictures back and forth. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, as for Can-Am, we want to keep the cars as stock based as possible. So they get information off of the car and keep them stock, stockish looking for marketing as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this race, you know, we kind of said, Hey, we're going to cut, we're going to cut this car up and make it really go through the rocks, you know? Yeah. Now, see, I look at that though. And if I'm someone at K&M, especially if I'm a marketing guy, you know, probably it's probably hard to convince an engineer that they need to change their design. I, yeah. I'm a software engineer. So anytime somebody tells me I need to change my code, my, I'm immediately defensive and, you know, I have to ask why. So yeah. you would think though, you just named everyone on the podium, the top three at, at King of Hammers. You would think like there's probably something to this. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I actually uh, I'm in the works right now with having a guy from uh, Can-Am factory um, from the actual team themselves come on the show soon. So maybe I'll table um, that question and ask them. Yeah. I mean, you take like a regular RC car, it's got the steel rocker behind the panel there. So it's already, mm -hmm. you know, it does have somewhat, it's got reinforcement there, mm -hmm. but it, if you went and ran Rubicon or Fordyce or anything, you would, you would never even think you needed the boat side. I think King of the Hammers is unique because I mean, the, the cars shouldn't even go through those trails. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's such a, I've done a ton of rock crawl and that place is like so unique, the difficulty of the trails, you know? Now, where is your favorite place to ride? Probably Johnson Valley down there. Even the desert down there is super fun. Is it so? Is is all desert the same? Let me start there. No, not at all. <laughs> explain, explain the differences, because I had a feeling that would be the answer. Yeah, I mean, you get like northern Nevada, you know, and you start mm -hmm. getting like way rockier terrain. Uh, you go to say Johnson Valley, and it's a lot softer and sandier everywhere. Um, but Johnson Valley, you get like a bunch more washout areas, you know. So it's, it's all it's all pretty different, I would say. Johnson Valley rocks, those rock trails, obviously, you know, giant rocks themselves. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that that's kind of a place that's unique on its own right. Uh, what I mean, can you take can you can you 
put into words what makes Johnson Valley so unique, why it's home of King of the Hammers? Man, I, I'm, I got a soft spot for that place. Like when we, when I was just out of high school and we were rock crawling all the time, they were doing the 10 bender jamborees. I don't know if you ever heard about oh, those. Yeah, actually. So this is like before King of the Hammers was even a race idea. You know, we were, that was like our one trip that all me and my buddies, you know, we'd all save our money and all carpool down there and go down and do the 10 bender jamboree. Um, so it was just like, a, it was a fun event that just, it was like a mini hammers back then, you know, they had band yeah. stuff on the lake bed. And then we started doing the ultra four stuff and going down there. And then I had the opportunity with Can-Am to go, to go race the side-by-sides down there. When I first pulled into those trails in a side-by-side, it was like, are we really, like, I was thinking we were going to be winching all day, you know? Yeah. Um, we've still like out of three King of the Hammers, we've pulled winch line one time in a side-by-side and that was it. That's insane. That's and that absolutely just, insane. That was just a, a driver mistake on my part, uh, not this year, but the year before. And I, I broke some parts and made it. If I wouldn't have broke the parts, I wouldn't have pulled the winch line. Yeah. Wow. That's, I'm just, uh, so obviously I have a razor. And uh, it seems like to me that there's been a, and I'm going to beat this dead horse for a second. All my listeners, I say this every episode, some listeners are tired of it. Um, there is a there is a momentum shift towards Can-Am right now. Can-Am has has had this huge shift after King of Hammers, um, not only on the professional race side, but also in the uh, recreation side. Yeah, I want to know, in 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 your opinion, being a Can-Am guy, what do you think it would take for the Razors, for the Yamahas, for the KRX, the Kawasaki's? You know, how, what would it take for those cars to be? I want to say match the hype of the Can-Am that, that's, that's out there right now. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the saying race on Sunday and sell on Monday. I think that Can-Am's been pretty dominant in racing over the last couple, really since the X3 came out. Yeah. Um, and then if you just go down to the specs of it, you look at the wheelbase, I think the wheelbase and the two seater is more ideal. Um, yeah. I think the clutching system and what people are hearing about belts, you know, I think the belts are lasting a lot longer. Yeah. Um, the horsepower numbers are up on the Can-Am. The wheel travel numbers are up. They, they've got kind of the whole package right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd say for somebody to come compete, they really either need to go start winning all the races and the other cars or, you know, get those uh, those spec numbers up to the same as the Can-Am. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I mean, again, I've talked about it ad nauseum a little bit, but I think the Pro XP fell real flat. And, uh, you know, it's it's more creature comfort than it is a high performance vehicle. So it's it's very interesting to see how it all has has laid out. Um, but again, I'm actually going to have Polaris on as well. So we're going to get both both of the two the two battling heads there. Yeah, um, you know, I hope that all of them step it up even more and more. I think the the, the more competition, the better for all of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's one thing that you know I, I see people. Facebook is a place. A funny place. I'll just say it like that. Facebook and social media, because people will go to war for nothing. And yeah. uh, I, I am so excited the fact that Polaris has lost the momentum, because as a Polaris guy, I know the next car they come out with, it better be the best thing that they've ever seen, or yeah. it's just going to be an even further step behind. And I know that that show or the the release show should be next month. So very excited about it. But anyways, uh, tell me just about a time in racing that you'll never forget. Is there any one moment outside of the, that first UTV world championship where you were, uh, you know, it was just really memorable for you? I mean, yeah, that one's for sure. It stands out a lot. Probably last year, Vegas Torino. Okay. Uh, so tell, is, is it a literal race 
you know, from Vegas to Reno? It's BD to Dayton. So it's about an hour, an hour closer from each, each direction. Gotcha. Um, but it's, you know, it's still 540 miles last year. I think it's going to be 550 miles this year. Um, last year, we were leading the race. Well, I guess I've got a couple stories. Vegas, the first year of Vegas Torino that we won, we rolled the car at like mile 100 in the lead. I was catching a truck through like a real tight tree section. Probably the dust was so bad. I was probably going five miles an hour and I literally hit a tree at five miles an hour. I didn't see coming and was on my roof in the middle of the race course. Oh. Uh, luckily the truck's dust that we were in, he was stuck and like burning out off the side of the hill. And that's where all the dust was coming from. They got out and helped us flip it back over. So we went from first starting the race first, leading the race to upside down to maybe 15 cars back and then fought our way all the way up to the front um, and ended up catching the race leader like five miles from the finish. Dude, that's crazy. We needed to put, we needed to pass him and put five minutes on him in corrected time in oh. five miles, which was impossible. Yeah. Uh, I just put in my mind, I said, I, I want to cross the finish line first. I was fully satisfied getting second. Uh, right when we went to go by him, he clipped a rock and broke the front wheel and had to get out and change the tire. Oh, we ended up passing him and making up the time on him and ended up winning the race. So it was, it was the whole day was like a roller coaster. It made 500 miles go by so fast. Oh my gosh. So let me ask you, is it, is it more, um, which would you prefer chasing a leader or being the one who's setting the pace? Uh, I'd way rather set the pace. Okay. And I think, I think I'm one of the few, I hear most people say, Hey, I want to follow. I want to see what pace everybody else is going to set. I want to always try to set a pace that I, th that I think I can sustain, but hopefully mm -hmm. get people to chase and break them out, you know? Yeah, certainly. I mean, think about it like this. If you hadn't pushed, you know, when you're in second, you need to make up that corrected time. If you hadn't pushed as hard as you did, you know, old boy may have never had the pressure or never made the mistake to yeah. you know, get himself a, a new, a new wheel. Yeah. So, very, very impressive. Very cool. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been to the East Coast? I've been to New York once. My wife's a hairdresser and she went to a, went to a class out there, I don't know, some hair thing. And so I went and just cruised around like downtown New York by myself. <laughs> What'd you think? <laughs> oh, to be honest, like where I live, like there's no traffic where I live, you know, I'm not like a big city person. And for me, that was like a culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. I don't think I'll go back. <laughs> yeah. I, so I've been to New York and LA and all the big cities and man, I just, I can't stand it. Uh, I'm just, you know, everyone's frustrated driving. I'll get frustrated driving and it's just, it's, it's awful. I'm not a big fan. I need, I, I like space from people. Yeah. So you've been to New York. Have you ever thought about making like a wheel and trip out to the East coast to come do either trail riding or uh, for example, the ultra four race that's this month on the 24th, uh, the tear down in Tennessee, which uh, I believe that I'll be at. Uh, yeah. You ever thought about coming to race out here? It looks fun. Yeah. I watch all the videos. I'm not sure how pumped I am on all the mud that I see, but the rest of it looks awesome. <laughs> so I'll tell you this. A lot of the videos really highlight the fact, like really highlight the fact that there's mud. A yeah. lot of times, like, especially in that, uh, in the track they're going to be racing for the teardown. Um, I can think of two like mud puddles where it's basically the big rock bouncers and the 40 inch tall tires and stuff. Uh, they've dug like holes under rocks and like water sits there. So yeah. you'll have forever puddles. Um, but what happens is obviously, you know, when you're running at speed, it puts it all over you. So there's really not that much actual mud unless it rains. If, if it rains, ignore everything I just said. Uh, <laughs> 
but <laughs> it's really not too bad, especially the parks that Ultra 4 has chosen to race at in the past and this year. It's it's like the, the Adventure Off-Road Park where they're doing the Teardown in Tennessee is one of the roughest parks in the state just because you go from open, like short course and an open line back into the woods to immediate just rocks big enough that are like, you know how you have like chatter rocks? Yep. They're just bigger than that. So it's just enough where you have to like just deal with it in the whole time. And it's just constantly shifting like that. It's just not, I don't know. I, I had a race there. Uh, I raced one of the pro rock series, which is a Southeast or East coast uh, race series. And um, I'm 25 and my back was hurting and I was, it was rough. It was absolutely rough. So uh, don't take the videos is what it was, what I was getting at. Don't take the videos for what they are. Yeah. It's kind of like our desert racing. You know, you see all the pictures, you know, like uh, silver state, you see all the pictures of like the crazy silt in the video. And it's like, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, it's so silty. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's like a half mile stretch that all the photographers are at, you know, the whole rest of the race, it portrays to be on that way on social media, but the whole race isn't like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's, 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 you're exactly right. Because I know the video that's for the teardown that was a couple years ago or last year, I don't remember exactly which one it was. Um, they were sitting right at the mud puddles, like the only two mud puddles on the entire track. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would be cool, man. And, and I love getting people's opinions, you know, that have been across the country because uh, as someone who's just recreational, uh, I love the trails we have here because I can get uh, you know, really sticky, uh, gritty rock. I can get slick rock and a little bit of everything here. And the one thing we don't have within like reason or, you know, reasonable drive is dunes. Yeah. So I'm a big, I'm going to hit the dunes someday. Is, are the dunes just horsepower? What would you tell someone who's never been? How would you prep them for it? No, oh, it's funny you ask. I've actually never been to the dunes in a side by side. I've been on it like one time up to the Oregon dunes. Uh, yeah. We're actually the guys are out in the shop right now we're finishing it's our first like we've always been known as more of like a race shop yeah. um, but we have a really good customer we're building an x34 that's just a dedicated sand car uh, it'll be done on friday and actually sunday we're going to go to the dunes so i'm going to bring a car and that'll be my first time out there dude that's awesome man you'll have to uh put it on social media let us know what you think because uh i am always curious it just seems like its own its own beast yeah I think a lot of the guys in Southern California, you know, they have, they can go to Glamis and do all that stuff. All we really have close to us is Sand Mountain, which is like, I mean, we pass it on the way to the races. It's, you could literally like see the whole thing in a, in a short drive by. That's a bummer. It's a, but, sand Mountain and it's one, it, that's what it is, is one Sand Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a, that's a problem. I won't say a problem, but that's something we experience in the East Coast too, is like Adventure Off-Road Park where they're having the race is 500 acres. And mm -hmm. Then you go, you know, next door to Winrock and it's Winrock Brimstone, Royal Blue is like 180,000 acres. But West Coast, you guys have tons of space to go. Uh, do you ever do any like long distance travels or long distance rides? Um, we'll go like for fun. I'll take my dad and we'll go start pretty much in Reno and we'll go to like Tonopah, stay the night in the hotel there and then cruise on the way back. So that's like maybe a 500 mile round trip. That's amazing. If I miles on my car here, like in the East Coast, I would have to drive 500 miles on the asphalt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we go a bunch of fun day trips. Like, uh, I mean, I'll just go on Google Earth Pro and find a bunch of trails and make a path on there and then load it in and go go exploring. We, we did it the other day, actually. And on Google Earth, everything looked good. And then there was a big fire and they'd cut all these trees down so they're blocking the road everywhere. Oh, my but, gosh, man. Uh, so 
What are you loading it into? Let me ask that for people listening. Uh, lead nav. Okay, lead nav. Okay, uh, very cool. Yeah. Let me ask you this: fires. There's, there's, you know, we've recently seen a little bit of uptick on the social media about fires and things like that. But uh, you're in California. There's obviously some really rough fires last year. Was that all in South California, or was that still some in North California as well? No, we had some real bad ones up here. Um, well, it was paradise. Like literally, the whole yeah. entire, the whole town burned down. Wow. Um, it's it's been crazy for us. Like last year, I hooked, I had an electrician come out and hook up a generator and everything in my house just because they're so worried about fires. Yeah. That the electrical company is shutting off our power because if the wind picks up at all, they say the lines are sparking and starting these fires. So they shut off the power. Like our house literally had in the middle of summer last year no power for probably thirteen days. Not all at one run, but three days at a time here and there. Wow. Now, what? how hot is it getting? I mean, is it is it just the fact that it's dry or is it just the heat? Uh, like, a, like a high for us is like 100, 102 here. That's awful. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even like everybody, everybody in the Foothill area here is like losing homeowner's insurance based off of the fire danger. Like the homeowner's insurance aren't even like saying, hey, we're raising it. They're just straight dropping you. Wow. That's amazing. Now, what do you do? I mean, what do you do next? You've established a business there. I mean, you can't, you can't go somewhere. What do you do? Um, I don't know. You know, we, we always joke about moving to a different state and getting out of California or something, but it's so nice where we live here. Um, my family's all super close. Like my dad lives a mile one direction. My sister lives a mile the other direction. Like, and we're out on like country roads so we can, I can drive the race car to my parents' house for dinner. You know, that's pretty amazing. I, I don't see myself leaving here. If you were going to go, where else would you go? Everyone says Texas from California. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I'm in Nevada so much for racing. That would be the only benefit would be not to drive, you know? Yeah. Silver state for us is 620 miles to get there, you know? So we're just, we're putting miles on the chase trucks like crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So what has been, let me ask you this, uh, the, the single best upgrade that you've made to these machines the you know whether it be performance or comfort or whatever you uh when you're going out and you're like you put something on your car you made an adjustment to the car what's the one thing that stands out where you're just like whoa that was like this has to be on every machine um you know i'd like to say it was some parts that we build here um, yeah yeah of course but but the truth is is having a good shock tuner you know people want to add horsepower and do all this stuff and it's like the, the thing that's going to make you the very fastest is spinning it on shocks. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no substitute to a good shock setup. Now the stock shocks that come on the Can-Ams are the Fox 3.0 internal bypasses, correct? Yep. Okay. What but we do race with factory shocks. I mean, what they're factory outer bodies. We change the inner bodies in them and we really are just doing that to change whole position for the bypass flows. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, we're running a stock shock just calibrated to our needs. Gotcha. Now, if you had to, because for some reason, I, I have a uh, I have a guy that does my shocks for me now. Uh, he just joined the show as a sponsor, and it's, it's been really great to have him because uh, I've learned a lot. But mm. if you were trying to convince someone to get a shock upgrade, whether it be recreational or racer or what have you, um, what would you say to them? And if they could only afford revalving or springs, which one would you do first? You know, that's, the shocks are the one thing we don't do ourselves. Uh, I use Wayne from Alltech Motorsports. Mm-hmm. He does all of our shock work for us. Um, 
it's hard. You know, there's lots of people that just send their shocks out and say, oh, this is the type of riding I do. I think the biggest benefit is meeting with a shock tuner that can actually watch you drive the car and make yeah. a job from there, you know? Like, I don't even know what Wayne's doing to the shocks, but I just know how to communicate to him, hey, <laughs> it feels like this. And he goes, okay, and he, he knows what he needs to do to it. Um, I, th I think spring rate and some inner body changes and a little bit of valving. So I guess kind of you're touching all aspects of it, yeah. but in, yeah. in say like, you know, 2020 cars on the Can-Ams, uh, they were able to get the ride height up a little bit taller on them. Mm -hmm. um, so the shock setup is better on those. The four seaters have always had a really good shock setup. I'd say like 17, 18 and 19, the two seaters are where we really made some, some big changes to them. Mm -hmm. um, but just shock work, but for the person's driving style, you know, you can say, oh, my car is 2000 pounds and I ride in the sand. Yeah. And somebody gives you a shock setup, but you know, your version or my version of what we like, you know, like say most of my customers, they go, I want what you have. And we put it on their car and they hate it. You know? Yeah. I was about to say, that's a horrible thing to say to a race car driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They go, oh, it's way too stiff. I don't like it. You know? And it's like, yeah. if I was, you know, if I was weekend riding my car around it, it would be a little bit harsh. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. That was, so I actually, uh, somewhat inherited a full-blown race car. Uh, I inherited this Polaris RS1. I got it from actually a giveaway and it was fully set up for a race and uh, got in it, took it out, like trying to get my bearings in it. And I thought my back was going to just blow out the sides. Because <laughs> I didn't understand necessarily when you go faster, how much it smooths out. And yeah. I, I mean, I called the guy and I was like, this is wild because how, like, are you sure you have these clickers on the right setting? Because I'm going fast. Like I was probably doing 35, 40 and I was still getting the crap beat out of me. And he's like, no, yeah. no, no. Like, like you got to Like when you go fast, it, it goes. And I realized that 35 and 40 are not fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been, uh, I don't know if you want to jump into it or not, but we've yeah. been playing with the, the smart shock technology that's in the new car. Yes. Thank you. Um, I have a, I have a pre-runner play car here that has the setup on it and I think that is going to be the, the technology that shocks are going is crazy. Cause you know, yeah. we set a car up, you know, to take a big G out or, you know, we go to a course and we set it up. We want it just to work really good in small chatter and we'll slow down on the big G outs. Cause it's kind of depending on what the course has, you know, it's like we go race Laughlin mm -hmm. and it's pretty much just big whoops the whole time, you know, yeah. Um, Silver state, the whole course is smooth. That setup is cool. Cause you can like, you can literally change the settings as you're driving um yeah that's fine uh and that's that's one of the really unique things that we've seen like obviously the the dynamic system on the polaris came out recently but the smart shock system the, the really cool factor about it is it's not just compression it's compression and rebound correct yeah, yeah. so can you explain like what does having this the technology on the rebound side what does that do for the car versus just the standard, you know, compression of the tire? Yeah, I think it does. It does a lot for it, especially when you want to go from like a looser desert setup that you can be bombing through the whoops and you want the rebound really fast. And then if you put the car in sport mode and it's going to actually slow the rebound down, you're going to be able to corner because your inside tires aren't just going to unload. The rebound's going to be slower. So it's going to help with cornering where say like another setup that's just adjusting the DSC on top mm -hmm. is really only going to help on big hits. It's never going to help you with cornering or anything like that. That's um, so, that's so interesting. It's such an interesting thing because, you know, when you, or at least when I think about shocks, I think about, okay, I am going through rocks and I need, you know, full movement, all those things. 
And then I think, okay, the other spectrum would be high speed straight lines and just taking massive amounts of, of shock in. Yeah. Very, it's very interesting. I know that Can-Am doesn't have, there's one, well, let me phrase it like this. Uh, Razor has one option that Can-Am doesn't have, which is like the, the oh shit button where you yeah. just press the button and it locks it out. Um, yeah. Is is there any other kind of bells and whistles that the Can-Am Smart Shocks have that are kind of similar to that? You know, I saw that on the Razor, and I was actually talking to the guys at Can-Am. I said, "Hey, why don't we have this emergency button or whatever you want to call it yeah. on the steering wheel?" And they said, "You know, where the I could be wrong on this, but the Polaris has like a, a G meter in the center of the dashboard, and that's it. That's what it's pulling all of its data from to control the shocks. Mm -hmm. Where the new Can-Am has the G meter in the center of the dash." It has vertical G meters in all four corners of the cage. But I think where it's really upper hand is, is that it has on the upper arms in the front and on the trailing arm pivots, it knows where it's at in the ride height of the shock. So like say in a Polaris, that thing has to sense the G meter mm -hmm. to, uh, to take the hit where the Can-Am, it sees it in that shock shaft travel instantly. And it, they said the system is so smart, you would never need the button on there. It's gonna be faster than you are reaching over and hitting the button yourself. Now see, that to me makes perfect sense. And I'm not sure why, like I did a whole 40 minutes on the comparison of the two systems yeah. and I couldn't find that information anywhere because I just don't know if they've released it. I know they, they haven't, they haven't seemed to come out and have their like uh, vendor interviews or things like that, where they've really gone in depth with it. But that to me, you know, makes those two systems not equal. It makes those two systems, you know, one's very technologically advanced, but, it's got some real thought behind it. And, and yeah. I think that that's, um, you know, again, here's my Polaris right machine. I think that's where Can-Am is really taking leaps and bounds forward is they're very thoughtful with each thing that are, that's happening. And uh, Razor just kind of, you know, has, I guess, laid the groundwork maybe, I guess that's the right way to say it. Yeah, you know, on a, on a dynamic setup or like even yeah. in, my, in my Ford Raptor or something, it's you're only controlling fluid flow into the reservoir. And that's really all you have control of in that system. Yeah. Right. This, I'm not exactly sure how it all works, but it's it's controlling the piston of the shock, you know, so it's your actual base valving that it's adjusting and it's adjusting it crazy fast. It's weird to drive for me to yeah. first start out because I typically have a setup where I like I'm going to hit a G out. And I know like, OK, the car's going to bottom out. I've hit yeah. enough like this i know what it's going to do that car it's weird that it's uh it's thinking on its own and you're used to going oh it's going to bottom out super hard and all of a sudden the shock just does it on its own and you're like clenched up and you're like oh i didn't need to be so tight right there yeah so the car is essentially i mean it's taking a little bit of the element of the i guess not the driver necessarily but the expectation of the driver and changing it how much time have you had in that car because i would imagine uh it's going to make a big impact on how you actually were to drive that vehicle. Yeah. Um, I probably have maybe like four or 500 miles in it right now. Okay. I'd say we're about to get a lot more. I kind of got it right when all this madness started really kicking off and everybody yeah. was locked down. Um, and now that we're kind of in our break to Vegas to Reno, we'll go use it a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun though. It's just, it's just, it, it's adapting to a car that's smart, you know, that's yeah. not just, it's i don't want to say it's not predictable mm -hmm. it's not predictable in a better sense but i'm just used to being able to predict a suspension setup yeah exactly well i mean think you know you're dealing with something that's constantly changing whereas before you know if you sprung the car to be softer and you had this big washout you would expect the g out now that it's yeah. you know, moving target it's different your expectations are different i think uh, uh, 
in the rocks, like King of the Hammers is where that setup is going to be awesome. Um, so you go next. Yeah. It, how do you, you know, what terrain works with what? Because, you know, I think there's three, three modes on there. Is yeah. the comfort really built for those heavy rocks, heavy rock trails, things like that? And, and the sport really built for the wide open sections? So it's got comfort, sport, and then sport plus. Okay. And it's like, it's a three-way uh, like rocker style switch. Um, comfort mode is definitely like, I don't know, say King of the Hammers qualifying course. Our cars are set up pretty stiff to go through the desert fast. Well, you go up some really like loose, shaly, rocky hills mm -hmm. and we're kind of sacrificing traction based off of the car being so stiff. You put it in, uh, let's say you just ran the qualifying course, you put the car in comfort mode. It's gonna go way better up those hills. But the nice part is even in comfort mode, if you left it in there and you accidentally hit a big old hole, it's going to see, you know, the shaft speed or however it's going to sense it and the wheel travel. And it's still going to even take comfort mode and put it super stiff right at the bottom of the stroke. That's pretty amazing. I think the nice part would be going like the biggest thing in side by side that was weird for me is going downhill on the rocks. You go downhill in like a solid axle car or something, you know, the solid axle is your lowest point of to the ground. In an independent car, you drop off and the skid plate, when you drop off of a ledge, gets closer to the ground. If there's a rock at the bottom, the skid plate slams into the rock because you're losing ride height there. If you could go like sport mode, which is the stiffest and put it in there going downhill, then all of a sudden you're not losing. You know, you got two different setups. You're not losing travel going down the hill. But right now we're like riding the brake and right before we hit, we're blipping the throttle a little bit to keep the skid yeah. plate off the ground. Yeah, you're essentially kind of doing this right now. Whereas yeah. the other system will will do it for you. Now that kind of raises my other question: is uh, I went and rode with uh, David Uptain from Razor Life, and he has this monstrosity of a Pro XP on portals and thirty sevens, all kinds of craziness. Uh, mm -hmm. But he has a dynamic system on there, and there was just a, a simple. We were out trail riding. Uh, there was a simple ledge, and uh, he essentially just wanted more ground clearance. So uh, you know, he went from soft, tried it a couple times in comfort or whatever Polaris calls it, yeah. uh, and pushed it all the way to the firmest setting. And I, I watched him kind of hit the suspension fully load. And when it unloaded, he gained probably three to four inches, maybe even five inches of actual shaft showing out on the system and obviously gave him more ride height because yeah. of that. Um, is there that benefit of ride height or is it just the, the actual pistons and the fluids and things being treated differently in the shock? I don't think you're gonna gain that ride height setup. I think that that is probably the button on the steering wheel. And okay. because it's locking the shock out. So when they're when their car is drooping on free weight, it's mm -hmm. locking the pistons out to where they can keep the ride height stuck like that. Mm. Um, I haven't I haven't gone like in any crazy rock trails in this car. Yeah. Well, soon. Um, I don't, I'm curious to see if it'll do that or not. But I have heard the guys in the other brands doing that, <laughs> locking the suspension out to gain ride height when they're bellied on something. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I've seen it in person with multiple people who have the car, you know, they'll belly on a ledge and soft, and then they will literally just flip the switch back up, hit it. And it just, I mean, you just peg legged it out and it just skirts right up. It seems to be a massive advantage. Uh -huh. uh, and, and I was even talking with a few of the Polaris uh, factory guys and they're like, yeah, we'll run it and firm the whole way through the rock section and just, you know, kind of take the back, you know, the back pain you can get with it just yeah. right there because it's just, you just skirt across the top and it's so much easier. Yeah. That's why I, I think, uh, I think with the smart shocks, you're going to be able to have the best of both worlds. I think you can run through the yeah. rocks and still have the comfort and it's mm -hmm. going to send, it's going to sense the hard hit on there. Now someone who, you know, 
because the uh, the price tag for these cars just keeps going up. And, and I think that's a, that's one of the concerns that the every man like myself it sees is I've got a you know mine mine's just a regular XP model. It's not worth you know more than twelve grand. <laughs> so you know they're seeing numbers like thirty six thousand and things like that. Uh, if you were to buy, let me ask you this: What's the pitch for? Hey, I really think that this is the car that you should buy when you're telling someone to buy the the Smart Shocks edition because it's only available with you know the top tier version of everything. Yep. Uh, like, what's my pitch on why they should buy it? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, man, you know, which car should I buy?" What are you gonna say? Yeah, it's hard because I've always said to buy the RC car. You know. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the RC car this this coming up years doesn't have the Smart Shocks on it. Mm -hmm. Um, the nice part is, is all the 72 inch cars and everything now are all coming with the, uh, the smart lock diff in it. Yes. Good call. Great call by Kenny. So before we were always getting the RC cars because they came with the smart lock diff in there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard out either say get the smart shot car or, or get an RC car. I guess it really depends on what you want to do with it. Okay. If you're going to go, if you want to be able to do everything that RC cars, you know, it comes with a factory winch comes with a couple different things on it. But you can also easily take a smart shot car and turn it into an RC car in about an hour, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, my only experience, I got a chance to ride in Hubert Rowland's, uh, the, the RC car. That car is violently fast. Yeah. So as a fabricator, you know, you guys, you mentioned earlier, the goal being a, uh, being a driver for the factory team is kind of keep the car factory, reuse as much as the, the stock components as necessary. Um, the, the main concern I'm using air quotes here because not too many people bring it up, but, uh, mm -hmm. my main concern would be for the X3, uh, the chassis needs some bracing and things like that. Um, is there any, is there anything that, that people can do, you know, or do you have anything to say kind of about the fact that, you know, if you really want to get in there and race it, you need to tear the thing down and brace up the chassis just a little bit more. Is there anything else or any other suggestion? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're desert racing, you definitely want to brace the chassis up, but I think you're going to want to on anything, you know, it's sure. just, well, I think we're at a point in best in the desert. We're using them for something that might work <laughs> okay. to be so hard, you know? Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. I would say on the, on the Can-Ams definitely, you know, uh, at no limit here, we make some, there's a handful of companies that make like a front bulkhead brace kit and we pretty much take all the front A-arms and double shear them. Um, something that we do a little bit different on ours is we replace the sleeves inside the A-arms, mm. um, for, you know, for assembly on a factory vehicle, the bolt tolerances are a little bit bigger. So we pretty much take all that stuff and tighten everything up to a tight 12 millimeter and then double shear it. Mm. Um, I would say that on the Can-Ams, lower A-arms, you know, they want, or I guess not speaking for them, but they want an A-arm to be somewhat of a fusible link. You, you know, they don't, you don't want to wipe out your frame. Um, yeah. But like for us, when we really hard side load cars, you know, it's hard on stock lower A-arms. So definitely do some A-arm upgrades. The back of the car is really solid. I mean, I guess pretty much like all of the UTVs is radius rods, especially yeah. if you're rock crawling, you're going to be taking out stock radius rods. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, uh, like Bo's car that he races and works, it's 100% mm -hmm. bolt together car. Like we don't have, we never stripped it down and welded the frame all up. Like everything is just bolt on bracing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's see. That's very encouraging. As someone who, uh, you know, if I ever if I ever did get one, uh, you know, my hesitation would be, man, I gotta feel like I need to take this apart. But it's good to know that there's bolt-on options because I wouldn't be qualified to necessarily 
get in there and weld anything up too crazy. Yeah. So what's the future for you, Phil? Where where are you going next? What's the next race? Uh, are we guaranteed any more races for the for the season? What's it look like for you? Um, Best in the Desert will be our next race. Uh, actually, next weekend, Bo, my co-driver, he's he's always wanted a desert race. So he's taking the car that we have with the Smart Shocks on it. He's going to go race the Vora Fallon 250 race. Okay, so cool. Kind of, uh, I can't co-drive. I get too car sick. So I can't, I can't <laughs> offer that that's to a, him. That's a great reason. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm gonna actually go pit for him and do all the pit support for him. So we'll do that one for fun, and we'll test a couple of things we want to try for Vegas Torino in that smaller race. Um, and then from there, I mean, hopefully we got an email from best in the desert, San Vegas, Torino's a full bore, good to go race. So hopefully we get to race the rest of the season out. Yeah. Now, are you planning on doing any other ultra four races other than, uh, King of hammers for the, it feels like so long ago, uh, you playing any more uh, for this year? We actually, we just did a, a cage for Dave Cole and did a spare tire rack and stuff on an X3 for him. Yeah. Um, so when he was up here, I was talking, I think we might go race that, uh, race up in Reno that they're going to have, I think in, in September Yeah. at the wild West motorsport park there. It's, that's normally like their national event or whatever, but I think the series kind of got flip flopped around. Yeah. It's a um, little interesting this year. We always hope to do the ultra four races. Normally they have the one at Prairie city, which is like 30 minutes from my shop. Mm -hmm. uh, just with me racing best in the desert and Bo racing all the work stuff. Lots mm -hmm. of times there's, there's conflicts and races. Yeah. Yeah. But what, for sure, King of the Hammer Dogs. Yeah. No, I trust me. I understand. Uh, it's just, it's such an interesting thing that there's not a unified race league yet. That's uh, really where I see like the side by side racing um, and the 4400 racing. I mean, that kind of is exclusive to Ultra Four, but side by sides in particular. Um, I personally, have a have a vision that there would be a unified race league that went from you know uh, dune races a, a king of the hammer style races uh work style races all the way down to you know southern rock racing where they have more recently rather than just doing like the crazy hill climbs and the razor buggies yeah. uh, incorporated more of a short course through the woods into a longer climb uh because a lot of the vehicles you know they're just too they're just too they work too well so Hills just kind of aren't cutting it here recently. Uh, yeah. so we've incorporated a lot more really neat stuff. Um, but I would love to see a national series, you know, maybe five races, one in each corner of the country and then one right in the right in the middle of the country. And uh, to see who could, you know, who could be the United States, you know, Mr. Mr. USA of the side by sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sounds awesome to me. Put it, put yeah. it together and I'll show up. <laughs> All right. How about that? I'll, I'll see what I can do. Uh, because I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in trying to make something like that happen. But, uh, before we close out, um, what is, what is on your mind recently with just the state of the world and racing and things like that? Are you hopeful for the future? Do you think that it's going to be like this forever? What's going on? What are your thoughts? Man, I try to, uh, in the beginning, I was watching the news and doing all that stuff. You know, I've kind of just taken, that was a little bit distracting. So I kind of checked yeah. out from it and just kind of lived my life. Um, I got two little kids and stuff. So enjoy my time with them when I'm uh, away from the shop. Yeah. I'd like to hope it doesn't stay this way. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think the virus is a, is a real thing. I'm just curious if it's a little bit blown out of proportion for uh, other different reasons. Yeah. I guess uh, my, my thoughts is maybe when the election happens, we'll see what see what the real world's going to be like after that. Man, I I was telling my uh, my father in law the other day. I was like, you 
that just like it, all these riots and everything, whatever happens in November, regardless, I mean, who wins and what happens, like I just foresee it. We're having, a, you know, another spike of riots, another spike of this and that. So yeah. I think 2020 will close out being uh, just as wild as it decided to come in. So yeah, we had a, a local uh, like roundy round race course here, an asphalt course, and they couldn't have races, but they could legally have a protest. So all the racers went there to protest. The spectators, the spectators protested and had to enter through the pit area and they had a normal race, but it was a protest. So that's it's just a crazy world we're living in. That's, oh, it's legal to protest, but you can't race. You know, it's like, come on, let's all that's go. Amazing. Have uh, I'll, I'll have to find like an article or something on that because I hadn't heard of that yet. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopeful too. Uh, I'm hopeful because, you know, there's all, you know, there's not many sports that are on right now. And I know that football is going to be back soon and I'm not a big football guy, but uh, no. I, I'm I'm a big UFC guy, and I have to ask: I, Do you keep up with UFC at all? No, I've been. I went to a UFC when it was in Sacramento, and that was about the extent of it. Okay, so the only reason I bring it up is this weekend they uh, Dana White and his team have bought an island uh, in Abu Dhabi, and they've set up like an octagon on the beach this weekend. And it's one of the few sports that's on right now, so I always like talking about it, just because it's pretty much the only thing we've got going right now. But yeah. I'm hopeful because racing is starting to come back locally. Uh, racing is coming back. It looks like, and it sounds like for the rest of us uh, in terms of the rest of the nation, uh, I'm excited, but more than anything, I'm excited to see what you guys do with your car. I'm excited to see your continued success because like I said, huge fan uh, was, was definitely a starstruck moment when we got in touch, but uh it's just, it's so good. And uh, with that, I mean, is there anybody else that you need to give a shout out to or anything else you want to say before we close it out? I mean, you know, we've got, we've got a ton of awesome sponsors behind us. Yeah. Obviously number, number one is Can-Am um, and we've got BF Goodrich that's been supporting us pretty much since the beginning. Uh, Method Race Wheels, Factory UTV, RCV Performance, uh, you know, Superior Powder Coat, which my co-driver owns. That's why everybody goes, you build a new car every single race. It's like, no, my co-driver owns a powder coat shop. And so he's <laughs> and powder coats and puts it back together oh my gosh that's so much work that's amazing yeah. but it looks like every time you know yeah absolutely absolutely uh, that's the best part about utvs right now is there's so much backing in it you know people ask if we're going to switch to trucks or anything in the future and I, I don't see the the financial backing and the support like the utv class is getting right now do you think that utvs will eventually be on like espn and things like that i mean we're making our way onto the cbs sports channel but i mean are we I think personally, I think we're on the verge of, of being the next NASCAR. I'd like to hope so. I mean, uh, you look at like Supercross and all that stuff, how big it is, and it's all OEMs behind that. And so you'd hope that uh, side-by-sides will get to the same point. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one more thing before we kind of close it off here. Um, what's the future of side-by-sides? Can-Am's taking the huge leap by adding more technology to the car. Uh, Razor is hopefully not too far behind. Kawasaki KRX just released their 2021 models and, you know, just they've got the the solid cars that can't seem to break and things like that where does the side-by-side -side market go next where does you know how can they keep improving these cars uh I, I don't know i'm just as curious as you on that one you know they've gotten bigger and faster and people are buying bigger toy haulers and everything to haul them from what they first did uh yeah i'll, I'll be real curious to see like how fast they're going you know it's like my car we've, we've had it over 100 miles an hour now you know which Dude, like that's before you there is no way a side by side is going over 100, you know. So yeah. I don't know how fast they can get going. Uh, Silver State, we beat all the 10 cars, you know. So that puts a, into perspective how fast these cars are getting. 
Now, Silver State was the race where they had to actually cut short because of fires, right? Yeah. Were you guys on course when they made that change? Yeah. So on the starting line, they said, hey, you guys might finish at pit seven because the fire is about to cross the road, but we're not mm -hmm. sure yet. So we'll let your pit crew know. Um, and then probably pit four when we got fuel, all of a sudden they go, hey, finish line's at pit six now. Um, so it got, it, you know, it got, we started not knowing if it was at seven or the regular finish. And then all of a sudden they got cut to pit six, wow. which if we would have known earlier, we would have changed some fuel strategy stuff, but yeah. with our normal game plan and paid off. Now I see some race, uh, I don't want to say this, some race leagues and, you know, ra certain race, uh, races, for example, they will do a very quick, you know, like change right in the middle of a race or change in the middle of a season. What do you think about that? Is that is that fair? Because there could have been a guy in fourth place who is hoping to really crush you between pit six and eight. Yeah. Um, best in the Desert is really good about not changing rules and sticking to them. I think this race, they did the best they could. Um, sure. That was just an unforeseen situation there, you know, that it's that they fun. handled. And, yeah, I mean, they're moving, they're moving the finish line and doing all this stuff. Uh, it's frustrating when you go to like smaller races and rules change based off of, you know, Oh, we want this kind of car count here. Yeah. Uh, best in the desert is, and works is really fair for like, just sticking to what their program is. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Because there's a lot of guys that listen to this. I have a, a uh, very strange number of listeners in the California area. It's like outrageously more than anywhere else in the country. So a lot of these guys are reaching out to me asking, you know, where can I go race or I've never raced before and I'd like to find out where I can go. So if you're, were, if you were in that amateur realm and someone had a race car they picked up, uh, how would you advise someone to get started? Um, I mean, in our area, the Boris series is really fun. It's only a couple desert races a year and then they do like a one short course race. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I don't, no racing is low budget, but it's a lot sure. more affordable than racing. Say some of the bigger series, the rules aren't so lenient. They have a pro stock class, uh, we went out there and like put number plates on a car and some window nets one time in a bone stock car. <laughs> and, um, and then there's a, I think it's the AVE series. I've done like one of them. It's down in California city. Okay. Those are really fun. Um, the nice thing about both those series is that you don't have to have all the chase trucks and everything. It's pretty much always around a loop that you can get back to say your motor home or camp trailer or whatever and get fuel. So you don't have to go like where we're, we're running three chase trucks at some races, you know, Dude, that's um, crazy you can literally like pull in your camp and get fuel and go race for the day. <laughs> that would see now I, I just, uh, in the Southeast, it's a lot, it's, you know, it's very, very much the same. I'll say it like that. Cause you're never further than, you know, 20 miles at best from your car. Uh, yeah. I would love to have like, you know, kiss my wife goodbye and you know, Hey, we're going to go start the race. I'll be back. And then come screaming into the pit in my car and my fire suit and just jump out and put fuel in the car and then just like, peace out. I'm out and just go. Yeah. Uh, Even so, Desert's Desert's doing the, their rally class now, which is at any races that's UTV only. So that if you don't have trucks and buggies on the course, mm -hmm. so like any of the Laughlin races, uh, the first Parker race, I think the last Parker race, you can race the rally class, which is cage window nets. You can have a stock fuel tank. Um, yeah. You have, have secondary door latches. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. I mean, it gets pretty much, you get somebody to do the rally race and next thing you know, they want to build a full desert car. <laughs> oh yeah. It's awful. I, I have, I have that, I have that race under my belt and I'm like, just, if I was, uh, if we weren't, if we weren't expanding our family, I would have two race cars in here right now. One trail, yeah. one just actual race car, but sometimes that's, uh, you know, different plans. We'll say it like that. 
But uh, with that, uh, that's pretty much all I had for you. Anything else you want to talk about that we didn't cover? Uh, I think we I think we covered quite a bit there. Yeah, absolutely. I will, Phil. I've had a blast having you on. Um, again, super starstruck. So it's been really cool to talk to you. Uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best in the uh, rest of the season. I hope you guys stay healthy. Your family stays healthy, and uh, don't catch yourself in between any of the weirdness that's been going on or any yeah. you know random city that decides to be taken over by people. So yeah. Uh, with that, we'll close it out, and I uh, appreciate you being on, Phil. Yeah, but thank you. And we'll- show is brought to you by Supergrip ATV. The Supergrip ATV tires are the most dependable tires in the ATV and UTV uh, industry. Sorry, can't read. Uh, <laughs> the all-new K9 tire. Uh, the Supergrip K9 tire is a rugged, all-terrain ATV, UTV tire designed to get you through the most extreme terrains. If you're looking for the ultimate control on or off-road, you need to look no further. Now let me tell you something about these tires because I've been running these tires for a period of time. Um, I actually went out and ran with uh, David Uptain and Ricky B from RCV uh, Axles and let me tell you guys, I was super pleased with them. I know David Uptain was running a set of System 337s and they were like the worst. Uh, he s- couldn't seem to get traction on much of anything all day. Uh, Ricky B was running a new set of stickies that he has and they seemed to hook up really well. But one thing that I was able to do was run a super low tire pressure on some crazy um, gritty rock, some crazy slick rock, and I had pretty much no problems all day long. Uh, one thing that I highly recommend that if you have the ability to get it, if you can splurge just a little bit more, the K9 Kevlar. Kevlar is a synthetic fiber that is about five times stronger than steel. Kevlar is used in tires in one of two ways, as a replacement for the steel coils that form the tire's edge, known as the beads, or as a subtread which is a protective layer that rests between the external rubber and the internal fabric casing that forms the tire structure. Now that's what's really cool is is not only is it in the structure of the tire, but it's also in the beads as well. So it truly is a bead-to-bead Kevlar system. When the casing or sidewalls include Kevlar, there's some added weight, but at a somewhat more rigid ride, which is why I can run my Kevlar's a little bit lower pressure than the uh, nylon belt tire, uh, which is just their standard version of the tire. But often these tires can go a year or more without a flat because of the Kevlar's ability to deflect glass and other sharp objects and defend the tube against punctures. Let me tell you, it can go way longer than a year, so uh, there's that. Uh, our show is also brought to you by DinoJet Research Incorporated. Uh, the Power Vision Tuner is the premier tuning device and delivery device for most aftermarket tunes. Uh, the in-house, I'm sorry, the powerhouse fuel tuner made to optimize your power for more speed, more uh, excuse me, more speed on the racetrack, better fuel efficiency on your commute, or anything in between. The Power Vision is able to hold multiple tunes at one time, so roadside changes are a snap. And it can also monitor and track the progress of your vehicle to really get your engine roaring. With a wide range of tunes 
already loaded onto your PowerVision 3, this is an easy to use device that can start optimizing your vehicle right out of the box. It can track and monitor your progress to guide you on how to make perfectly optimized tunes, which you can do yourself, for your ride or driving style. If you're looking for something even easier, you can purchase one of the one, excuse me, one of thousands of tested tunes from the online library, perfect for stock or heavily modified vehicles. The PowerVision 3 tuner can hold multiple tunes at once, track and monitor progress used with the Dynajet's PowerCore software suite and available for hundreds of vehicles. That's Dynajet.com and Dynajet Research Inc. on all social media. Uh, another one of our sponsors is All Things UTV. All Things UTV pretty much has it figured out when it comes to what you need for your UTV. Uh, all those fundamental parts, all those uh, you know have to have parts. All Things UTV has got you covered. Um, all Things UTV really does an excellent job because uh, what they carry and what they have in stock is, is always going to be the parts that are going to be breaking the most. They're going to always have tires in stock. They're going to always have axles in stock. Uh, even built differentials, uh, everything from you know stock replacements to upgraded differentials to even a full RS1 swap. All Things UTV has been super great to the show, uh, so I really encourage, if you can, uh, please return that support for the show back to them uh, because they're really great guys to deal with. One product I run of theirs, which I'll never run without, is the Razor-Aid inner fender liners. Those inner fender liners uh, really keep you safe when you're going at speed. I know before I got my set on my um, before I got my set on my car, um, I really wouldn't ever like kind of unload it if that makes sense. Uh, I would never take it as fast as it could go because um, I really felt like I was going to get a stick through the the floorboard or the firewall, and I was going to end up you know impaled. So. Peace of mind is more important than anything, and also peace of mind for my passengers. Don't have to worry about my wife getting uh, any kind of damage or anything like that. So, allthingsutv.com, allthingsutv on Facebook and Instagram. Another sponsor, and one that I might be the most excited about right now, is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. They're, they ever a, offer a slew of suspension services, uh, including shock tuning that is available with on-site sessions, uh, shock revalving, where you basically just send your shocks in, valve to your application and specifications, repair and the full rebuild of the shocks. Um, I sent Chris over at Diddy's Big Block a set of shocks here recently. Uh, basically, they were your typical shocks. They'd been rode on for you know thousands of miles, more than that, uh, and just had the normal wear and tear. So I sent those over to him so he could get a really good understanding of some of the damage that just happens on these Walker Evans and on these Fox shocks just over time. Um, let me tell you this, those shocks were trashed. There was oil in the nitrogen sections. There was oil in sections where there should have been nothing. Um, the actual f shock body themselves was in really rough shape. So uh, he's getting me fixed up with not only new valving, but new springs as well. I just ship him to him, tell him what I want. He ships me back shocks that work. Uh, one thing they also offer is buggy builds. They have roller packages, two or four seat primarily. 
They use a committed racing chassis as a starting point, and they'll even offer uh, turnkey builds for chassis. He'll also spe in, in specializes in wiring and plumbing. If you're 95% of the way there, uh, he can take you to either you know complete start to finish on wiring and plumbing, or he can just finish off the stuff that you don't want to. He is also the number one source for Mark Williams off-road parts. Uh, they've worked with Mark Williams to help expand the off-road world, including uh, a bunch of materials and a bunch of parts for 14 bolts, uh, including spools, yokes, uh, Atlas transfer cases, Dana 60s, Ford 9 inches, full float axle shafts, lightweight brake kits, um, everything that you can think of uh, for your full-size solid axle rig. Uh, Chris at Diddy's Big Block should be able to get you figured out. Um, I'll tell you this, guys, just with communication and things like that, it's hard to get guys to communicate with you sometimes. Chris does an excellent job of communication, and every single time that I use him to do any work, I know that uh, what he tells me is very accurate, and I can always count on him to be uh, very concise with me, and, and I can always expect the job to be done not only on time but correctly as well. So Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Instagram and Facebook. Give those guys a follow, check out, see what they're doing. Get your shocks serviced. Last but not least, Infinite Off-Road has a 25-year, you-break-it-they-replace-it warranty on all Infinite Off-Road products. Uh, one thing I will tell you is that they offer all listeners of the show a 10% off the entire website with code word ROCKS at checkout. R-O-C-K-S at checkout. That goes for rock lights, whips, wheel rings, light bars, light pods, wiring and power controllers, uh, UTV parts, Jeep and truck parts, and everything in between. One thing that's really cool is uh, they have a new series. Uh, let me see if I can get it pulled up here so I can get the name exactly right. They have a new series of lights that just came out, uh, including Razor Fang accent lights. Uh, as always, uh, they have rock lights, but they also have custom HD strip kits, which where you can build your own. Uh, that's really great for boats and things like that. Uh, double helix whips, accessory power control modules. If you're looking for uh, you know, centralizing all of the buttons and switches in your car. It's an excellent option. Uh, and even uh, power base, uh, XL800, XL1000, and XL1200 soundbars. Everything you need, lighting, audio, mirrors, whatever it may be, Infinite Off-Road is your choice.